Masterpod season two. My name is Laura and my guest today is Lisa Osbeck, Social Sustainability Manager at Scania. I did my internship in the sustainability department at Scania over a year ago and I'm glad that I have kept in touch with this amazing team and now have Lisa on the show to talk to her about her work. Good morning, Lisa. How are you doing? Good morning, Laura. Thank you. I'm doing very well. Very happy to be here on the podcast and very happy that we've stayed in touch over this time. And also I have to really give you credit for your pronunciation of the Swedish name here. You think so? Was it good? That yeah, was really good. It was perfect. Uh, awesome. Yes, I'm not losing my Swedish. <laughs> Most basic question in the beginning. Can you tell us who you are? Absolutely. Um, my name is Lisa Osbeck and I have a background in uh, political science and uh, economics. And I am a mother of two kids. I live outside Stockholm in the suburbs and I enjoy uh, handicrafts and I enjoy uh, um, being outside with my family um, all times of the year. And now you work at Scania. What is Scania and what is your role with this organization? Scania is a company, I think that a couple of decades ago, if you would have asked someone working for Scania what Scania is, they would have told you that it's a truck manufacturer and a bus manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And I think that today maybe we would uh, explain that a little bit differently. We would say that Scania is a company that um, produces transport solutions and works with others to put them into the market. So that has changed a little bit. And my role mm -hmm. within uh, the organization is... Um, I work at the sustainability team, the central sustainability team at Scania. And when I came into the team a couple of years ago, the intention was quite clear. It was to strengthen the part of the sustainability agenda that was not focused on climate and CO2. Because for, mm -hmm. for Scania as a company, as you know, uh, Laura, I mean, the climate, the climate issue and the climate uh, threat is really uh, the biggest issue for us as, as a company to deal with. And our impact in that field is, is quite strong. But on the other hand, we have to be able to really put society in focus to what we do uh, when we talk about sustainability. And I think that that has been my role within that team ever since. And what are your day-to-day -day tasks when you focus on this topic? I think that a sustainability unit, that's the nature of, of that unit, is to work on a very overarching level, which means that to a large extent, we are the, the, the passage from between the outside world and the inside world of Scania. So we work with understanding what's coming within the sustainability area, understanding the views of stakeholders, understanding the expectations mm -hmm. of our company and translating that into the company uh, in a bunch of different ways. It means that we're working directly with other sustainability functions within the company to support uh, their work. So we have a lot of cross-functional contact with, with all sorts mm -hmm. of people within the company um, during the days. And we also work with certain kinds of um, corporate forums and processes for sustainability, uh, coordinating them and organizing them. And we also have, a, I think that we are the ones who are summarizing um, the sustainability work at Scania. So we work with reporting and all of that mm -hmm. sort of things that, that you know are quite uh, important within the field of sustainability. 
How big is the Central Sustainability Team at Scania? We're a small team. Um, at this point, we're four people, becoming four and a half here uh, in about a month. And I think mm -hmm. that that is important because we're a huge company and we're not the only ones who have sustainability in our sort of titles uh, within the organization. But there are sustainability groups also within our purchasing department, within our commercial mm -hmm. department and so on. So the central team, uh, we're four people. When you were 15, did you see yourself in the position that you are in today? I think that that is a very good question. I think... Um, On the one hand, I, I would say, yes, I wanted to work with something that had a close connection to developments in society. And I wanted to work mm -hmm. with something that where you where it was possible for you to to connect the dots. I like working with a strategic perspective on the societal issues and so on. On the other hand, if you would have asked me if I thought that I would be working for a company who were producing trucks, I would probably have said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's also, I think in your head, you don't really connect sustainability and trucks um, in, in like the first moment. But then when you really work with it, you realize how much of an impact it actually has if you make the transport sector more sustainable. Yeah, I agree. And I think that for me, that was key. Quite early in my career, I moved into working with the private sector as a strong force, but also a challenge when it comes to the sustainability issues and and to, to social and, and environmental development. And for me, Scania is really a very good example of that, that Scania is a company who's taking on these, these issues head on, I would say. Um, in the strategy. So so in that sense, I, if someone would have explained that to me, it would have made sense to me at 15. <laughs> no, that's true. How, how would you define sustainability? I think that sustainability to me is about connecting what you do to a full agenda of sustainable development, to understand mm -hmm. how your impact um, has an impact on that agenda and to ensure that what you do, um, you align your work and you are able to understand the effects of the decisions that you take. It's a mindset and it's a lens um, to, to your operations or to your activities. Do you actively incorporate sustainability in your life or even broader? Do you think it's important that as an individual, you make sustainable choices? I think that this question is very good, Laura, and, and I would say yes and no. Uh, if I start on the ne negative end, I think mm -hmm. that we tend to put actually too much focus on consumer responsibility or consumer power when it comes to uh, changing the world towards a more sustainable one. I think that we exaggerate the individual's choices um, in what we do. I think it's really important to keep in mind that in order to make transformational decisions in society, we need political decisions, we need investment decisions, we need, mm -hmm. um, we need those kind of changes. And I think that sometimes if we focus too much on the consumer side of things or on the personal side of things, we tend to do that instead uh, of, of yeah. driving those other things. On the other hand, I really think that people who are incorporating sustainability into their daily lives and into their way of thinking are also more likely to feel engaged and to feel mm -hmm. that 
it's possible uh, to to have change, and I believe that they might be more um, tend more to actually support those kind of changes and to maybe engage yeah. in making those kind of changes happen. So as long as we don't think that we're doing that instead of societal change mm-hmm. at a higher level, I, I'm all for it. And to me, I think that's important. To me, it's important to to sort of uh, walk the talk also in my in my personal mm-hmm. life. That gives me inspiration. Uh, to what I'm doing. What you just said was part of a, a dis- short discussion I had with Rich and Olivier, my two other podcast hosts, because we only have this question, like, do you actively incorporate sustainability in your life? And at some point we were like, we also want to ask the people what they think needs to happen besides their personal choices. Like, what do they think, like uh, maybe a CO2 tax or mm. um, something else? Uh, so if you have, do you have an, answer to that as well, like something specific that has to happen on like a policy level? But I think that there are many different kinds of examples of that. But one of the things that we're seeing now that I think is quite important is that if you look at the social area of sustainability and this field of human rights that has really become quite important in the corporate sustainability area during the past decade, um, I think that the move that we're seeing now and the developments that we're seeing now within that area is is, is, are quite important because... Before, this has been about voluntary guidelines or or frameworks Mm -hmm. for how to act as a company. And now we're moving into a process of this becoming increasingly um, put into legislation. So we're seeing, for example, within the EU uh, Commission at this point, there is an ongoing development for a proposal for human rights due diligence in the supply chain. And mm-hmm. to me, this this is very important, I think, because otherwise we end up in a situation that, of course, some, some big companies and mostly the companies who have well-known brands and who have a push uh, yeah. to act responsibly, they have been working on this for, for quite some time. But we want this to be a benefit for companies. We want this to be yeah. a level playing field. And I think that this is, this is one of the... Uh, this is just one of many developments that we're seeing right now that sustainability is moving into a political agenda at the EU level yeah. and into a legislation um, issue in in a bunch of different ways. We're seeing it with the with the taxonomy that's coming. That mm-hmm. the intention at at core is, here is really important. We have to agree and define what are sustainable activities. We cannot just yeah. allow everyone who feels like it going around calling their products or or activities sustainable. Yeah. We actually have to have a definition for that. Uh, so I'm all for these kind of developments. Uh, on the other hand, I also think it's really important that what's being developed is good because it's always a danger when you de- develop legislation or or um, other kinds of, of um, uh, frameworks that you focus on the wrong things and thereby your intention is lost on the way. Do you have a favorite sustainability resource that you inform yourself through? I think that this is a very good question too. I think that for me, I use a flora of of these different kinds of resources. And I think that 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 might be a tip in itself, that you don't lose yourself into Mm -hmm. one channel that you like, because there are different perspectives. There are different channels who focus more on on the good stories that you can use to learn best practices. But I also think you should always also 
use the sources that talks about the risks and that talks about the downturns and so on. And and for me working at the company, it's really important to keep a a balance uh, among these. Mm -hmm. And if I would highlight one when it comes to the risks and the social side and the human rights side, I would recommend the Business and Human Rights Resource Center. I really like their way of compiling information from many different sources and to keep track both on important topics and developments within certain areas, such as uh, mandatory due diligence, for example, but also to cover country um, country risks and, and um, sort of the global perspective. Great. Thank you for that tip. And now that I've asked you a couple of questions on your general take on sustainability, um, I'm diving more into your work and your perception of your work. Um, what do you like about your current job? I like the overarching perspective to what we do a lot. Uh, I love uh, the way that we are allowed to connect big events in society, political developments to the very practical reality of our company. Um, And I like how being able to see challenge in one part uh, of the company and being able to solve that by by learning from others and helping the company connect cross-functionally. So I really like this connecting the dots um, Mm -hmm. side of the job, I would say. Is there a particular project that you found most memorable? I think that when I had worked not very long at Scania, uh, Scania performed uh, or implemented something that that they called Climate Day, which yeah. was which was I think that maybe you were there even. Um, I remember. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and to me, I was not working very practically on the project itself, but it was memorable to me because it really opened my eyes to how how serious the management of Scania was taking this issue. What happened was that the export of Scania, which is the highest management uh, team, decided that the company, the global company, 52,000 employees were going to shut down for one hour on a global scale and train all staff in climate climate change, climate science, mm-hmm. and Scania's work to develop climate tra- targets. And I think that what this, I mean, f- for someone not working within a company like this, maybe it doesn't sound too much, you know, just one hour, but I think you have to set this in in context. That has never happened in the history of this company that you have shut down uh, all of the operations for one hour. It has never happened before. And I think that that is really a sign to how important this was. And I made me realize the sort of the force that comes with such a devotion to an issue. You know, when you have decided that this is the most important issue to deal with, um, you can make change even within a very, sometimes a traditional company like this. And it also provided support to, you know, because we're sitting here in Sweden and, and to us, I think it's quite, it's not that controversial to discuss climate change. It's not that controversial mm-hmm. to discuss these kind of issues, even as a company. But, you know, in some of the markets where we operate, we don't have that same context. So we mm-hmm. also saw this empowering to, um, to the business units and to the operations that are in, in countries where this issue might not be as much top of the agenda or even might be seen as a controversial issue to discuss within the private sector. So I thought that that was, um, um, that was memorable for me to, to experience that quite early in my, uh, in my life at Skonia. Yeah, I'm very happy that you brought it up because I 
part in that one in 2019. And I definitely thought that that was a very special day sitting even just in our team and talk um, for an hour and knowing that everybody else in this company was also doing that. That was quite impressive. Yeah. Uh, What is the main challenge that you face as a sustainability professional? I think that one of the challenges within the sustainability area is that sustainability is such a broad topic. So you really Mm -hmm. have to prioritize. And that might sound easy. I mean, that goes for any area. But within the sustainability area, this can be hard um, because often you feel that the things that you are not prioritizing, you don't do that because you have decided they are not important. Um, Mm -hmm. You have to be able to keep them on the agenda without losing your your. Um, your ability to focus on the most important things. And I think that that is something that we struggle with as as a team of only four people, that we Mm -hmm. have to do a lot of a broad range of things. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that can be feel that you're not doing anything as as much or as, as good or as strongly as you would like to. And I think that you have to, as a sustainability professional, I think that you find yourself in this position a lot that you have to to manage these two. You have to have the holistic perspective and not lose anything, but you also have to yeah. make your choice and, and to stay focused on what's what's really, really important within your operations. Yeah, that's very true. You mentioned briefly before that it's very important to have um, to have a taxonomy to know exactly what a green product is, since there is a um, growing concern about greenwashing. Is this a problem that you've encountered in your line of work as well? I think that this is something that you have to be aware of in, in any organization who works with sustainability, because to me, green greenwashing can happen both both intentionally and unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it could be something that is used as, a, you know, intentionally to actually claim that you are doing something um, that something is sustainable in a way that it that it is not I would not say that that is something that I encounter um, in my daily life that much anymore I think that I am working within um, a rather mature organization and mature uh, ecosystem but the Mm -hmm. unintentional greenwashing uh, that happens because maybe you don't have the full set of information or because you don't really have um, deep knowledge within a topic where you have to make your choices or take decisions. I think that this is something that is a struggle within many areas. And one example of this that I would bring up is that Within, if you look at the social area, for example, where you have the same, it's usually called whitewashing, but it's it's the same thing. I I would say that that is something that we struggle with a lot because if you have to address your risks in any way, it could be your um, risk for environmental impact, or it could be your risks for social impact or human rights risks and so on. Um, we are, we know that the frameworks tells us that to encounter, to mitigate those risks, you have to do something about the risks themselves, right? You have to focus mm-hmm. on that. But I think that sometimes there is this tendency to try to, instead of, of uh, addressing the negative impact that you have you're trying to emphasize the positive one because you know at mm-hmm. the end it feels like you have a you know the, the net result is is positive and i think that that 
that kind of thinking leads you uh, towards risks of greenwashing and whitewashing. You know, if I emphasize this positive impact that we have a little bit more, maybe that comes mm-hmm. out as a, as, a, as a good result at the end. But I think that you could never, you could never replace uh, managing your risks and managing your, your impact in that sense with uh, doing something, a li- something else a little bit better, so to right. speak. And I think that this is very important for sustainability professionals to always stay focused on this. And that's why I always also don't like that much focusing on only a few sustainability development goals, for example, in a strategy, because to me, mm-hmm. that leaves the question ha- hanging on what's your impact on the other ones, because if that impact mm-hmm. is negative, then, then, then what does that tell us at the end? Yeah, and I think it's really good that you're You talk so self-reflective, self-reflecting um, about this. And really, yeah, I think that that was a good point with the SDG goals. Yeah. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're excited about? Well, that's a good question. I, I think that, you know, as, as many... As many companies, we experienced quite a hard year last year with the pandemic um, and a lot of things. You could really see how how the company and, and uh, the operations really took took up speed at the end of 2020. So I feel like we have a quite full year uh, ahead of us now that we're quite excited about. And I would say that one of the things that I am excited about personally is that I'm seeing now that Scania has has really come to the point where our climate work is so established within the company, where we have mm-hmm. climate targets, we have set science-based targets uh, to mm. deal with our climate impact. Also, when it comes from the emissions of our um, of our products and so on, I would say that this, all of a sudden, we're at a plateau when it comes to the climate work that, that I think that especially my colleagues should be really proud about. But I think that what I'm excited about now is the next frontier, because the next frontier Uh, is about circular business to us and it's about mm-hmm. um, really moving this social agenda into the core of what we're doing. Meaning, for example, when we work with transport solutions, becoming better at measuring the social effects of our transport solutions. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is this is really exciting to, to see the company moving into uh, the next phase of the sustainability journey with uh, not just the climate, uh, but the entire um, social agenda at, at the core. Now you already answered my second to last question. How is your industry adapting to the trend of, trend of sustainability? <laughs> no, but I think that that is interesting. Um, I read the, I, I read this question sort of in, in two ways. And one of them is that if we start focusing on Scania, I think that, you know, we are in a, in a heavy duty industry um, where the climate change is at the forefront of uh, how we see this industry developing in the future. And this means that that the industry in itself has, has, I mean, it's, it's really affected by this in, at the core, you know, I think it's, I don't, I'm not completely sure of the numbers, but I think that you usually say that transport has about 14% of um, the global emissions. Yeah. And that's quite, 
that realization that we are such a big part of the problem uh, is really important. And I would say that the different companies within this sector and the different actors in the ecosystem of transport has, you know, the realization of this has are moving at different speed, right? So I would say that Scania is at the forefront of this, having realized this uh, a while ago and working quite strongly to, to find, to transform the entire strategy from doing what the company has been doing for decades into actually doing something else. I mean, it's it's transformative at the very foundation of the transport industry and of Scania as a company. And then I think that there are others, other actors also in other parts of the world, but also other companies who are not there yet when it comes to um when it comes to the climate and when it comes to the sustainability agenda. And I'm really looking forward to to the developments that we're seeing, that this is becoming um, core insight to all of us. Um, and I would say also that, I mean, I, I mentioned in the beginning that I'm a political scientist at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that is also something that you could reflect on when you talk about how is your, your field adapting to the trend of sustainability. And we've been talking about that. I think that sustainability is on everyone's agenda now. And we mm-hmm. have to to look at it from that perspective. When I studied at university in in the early uh, in around 2004, maybe. I mean, that was not a topic that was that much at yeah. all integrated into our education. But I think at this point, you see when we work as a company with uh, managing our sustainability uh, strategy and making that happen, we have to work with all parts of society. We have to work with academia to found our decisions in science. We have to work with uh, the the political uh, decision makers and investors to make sure that we have everything in place to be able to to, trans- to transform the transport uh, system, but also to make all these other kinds of huge um, uh, changes in society that we need to do. So I think that uh, all of a sudden we are, we are in the same boat here and we're really trying to work together um, between these yeah. different, different uh, institutions and actors. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the entire field is adapting. I yesterday saw a video of your CEO talking about um, batteries and your mm. collaboration with Northvolt. Yeah, um, and I think that's, that's also really like that's going to be um, going to be a big topic over the next few years as well. I agree. Last question: Do you have any tips for someone who's starting out a job in sustainability? I think that my my tips is that there are so many different ways of doing this. I mean, we have been talking about that. We have been talking about how many different angles there are to sustainability, mm-hmm. how many different actors and kinds of organizations who are working with sustainability. So I would say that follow what interests you and and where you feel that you um where you have this this feeling of being curious and being wanting to learn more, because I think that all the experiences that you gather within the field of sustainability is useful somewhere else. I think that if you look at setting up a sustainability team at a company or anywhere else, it's really, really useful to have people who are coming from different kinds of organizations and different kinds mm-hmm. of mindsets. So just because you start somewhere doesn't mean that you have to stay within that industry or within that field or within that um, sort of organization. But the knowledge that you bring and the insights that you bring is 
are useful everywhere. And I would say that this is how we are now forming um, our way of working with sustainability in society is that we have to be able to connect these dots. And I think that one of the main challenges that we see is that when you build up uh, silos so that we mean one thing and we have one understanding of sustainability in the private sector, then we have... um, I don't know, governmental organization who has one way of looking at it and so on. And I really believe in the cross, cross-connecting between these, these kind of organizations and areas. So feel, feel free um, to, to make your choices and to follow your, um, your interest and uh, rest assured that that would be then in the longer run useful in a lot of different places. Thank you so much for that answer. And that's the end of our interview. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to add? No, I think that you've asked me a lot of questions. As I said uh, before we started, I, it's really it's really good that someone comes along and asks you these questions every once in a while, because maybe it's, it's actually helpful to reflect on them. So I'm really yeah. thankful for that opportunity. Well, thank you for coming on and I wish you best of luck um, with your job at Scania and I hope to hear from you soon. Goodbye. Thank you very much, Laura. Goodbye. was produced by Laura Messner, Richard Gardin and Olivia Costan. Today's guest was Lisa Usbeck. Thank you to Jacob Rosin for providing us with the funky beats. You can follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn and also send us a message at masterpods.info.eu if you know someone who would be a great guest to our show. We're always looking forward to hearing from you.